Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined Pro Wrestling Hangout. I'm your host, Garrett Callender, and with me, as always, a man who washes his hands every single time he goes to the bathroom, Derek Halpin. You're goddamn right I do. I'm a clean some bee. I believe that. You're not a you're not a garbage monster like the people I work with. Or the Briscoes. Or the Briscoes. See how I immediately got right into the thing we're supposed to talk about? Yeah, but now you make it sound like I just called my coworkers garbage and I had a gripe with uh, m- middle-aged men in their 40s wearing business suits, not washing their hands after they, uh, they pee. You and I can talk about this for a minute because it's our fucking show. I am surprised as an adult how often when I am in a public <laughs> restroom that I see people not wash their hands after pissing. Are you shocked? I can't believe it, especially because it's like a businessman. There's something about when you hit 40, you put on a suit, you don't have to wash your hands because I just touched my dick. But now I have to touch it on the door handle? You know how many 40-year-old man dicks I've touched? I guess quite a few, Garrett, but how many of them were willing? Like, <laughs> like how, many of that, how many of that number are, you know, accidents and how many of it was on purpose? I didn't ask for a single one of those. Mm-hmm. Sure. The thing with Jude Law was different. <laughs> See, I, I don't consider myself, I'm not like a uh, germaphobe. I think you are, right? You're a bit of a germaphobe. You don't like uh, the, the idea of getting somebody else's illness, their germs anywhere near you. But I wash my hands quite frequently, and I'm not that way. But I am a little weirded out that, to me, it was instilled in me as a kid that you're supposed to wash your hands every time you, you make a pee-pee. And some people did not have that instilled in them. I remember you avoided me once in college because I was a little bit sick and you didn't want to see me. Hurt my feelings. Hey, one time my our uh, sweet mate had to go to the hospital and I was like, wait, is it the flu? And they're like, he has to go to the hospital. And I was like, do I need to be there for this? I'm I'm not very good in those situations, Derek. I immediately panic and don't want what they have. You're a great partner to have. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not that's why I don't think we would work as a tag team really cuz you're just getting I mean, you learned quickly at GCW that I abandon you. Yeah, I mean I, I, but the the thing is I was there for you and I made I made you stick that show out. Well, if you learn two things from this, kids, one, wash your hands after you get out of the bathroom. Two, always wash your hands after you get out of that GCW ring. Hit our goddamn music. FYI, I got some kitchen lemon hand soap that I put in our uh, in our kitchen near the sink just the other day, and uh, I'm washing my hands over there a little bit more often now. You, you good soap drew you in. A good soap does draw me in. Are you glad that we're in the generation that gets the foaming soap now? I yeah, I guess so. But hey, real talk for a second. 
You're like, damn it. I didn't mean to talk about hand soap this long. This was a lot longer conversation about hand soap than I was ready for today. Uh, I know it's a good episode. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm sorry if this is going to disappoint anyone, but I'm so excited to talk about wrestling with you today that I I just want to do it. I don't want to fuck around. I just want to talk about it. All right. That's fair. Somebody scold you? Somebody tell you the way we were doing things wasn't appropriate? Upper management has been on our ass for a while. What, your dad? (laughs) (laughs) Is that that our upper management? No, he is is not our upper management. Did you sign us up with Conrad and you haven't told me yet? Yes, actually. I didn't... um... We're the first podcast to sign on to Vince Russo's network, Derek. Oh, you would do that to us, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to be good for our careers. I knew that he likes baseball, you like baseball. I thought, what could go wrong? Well, we do a podcast about pro wrestling, and what does Vince Russo know about that? <laughs> hey. Oh, shade. You're going to lose us sponsorships. Cool. <laughs> just immediately turned into butthead <laughs> so what pro wrestling fun stuff uh do we have on tap for this week's episode because i feel like there's a lot of stuff we got to get into but i don't know where you want to begin i don't know where all of this started but i guess this whole weird week of pro wrestling ha- it all started at stomping grounds that's a is great it, place to start. Is it stomping grounds or ground? One ground, plural? It, How many? I think, it's, I think it's grounds. I think it's more than one ground. There was one boot in one ground. I don't know. Who I cares? Don't, I don't... The show ended up being... Weird. <laughs> 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 All right. I've only, I've only seen part of the show, man. I, this was a WWE pay-per-view that I did not make a point to set aside time and watch live. Who and do you think I'm, you are, Mr. Indy? Don't have time for WWE sh- anymore? Shit. <laughs> Seth would be pissed at me. What are you doing, sitting around waiting for that next AEW event? Fuck you. I ain't you. gonna lie to you. When Stomping Ground started, I was at a uh, restaurant down the street having a chili cheese dog. That's what I was fucking doing. I knew you were either doing that or running into CM Punk somewhere. That's where you are 100% of the time. You know, breaking news, CM Punk is uh, suing Colt Cabana. I don't know if you heard that, but that's happening right now. Wait, what? CM Punk is suing former best friend Colt Cabana. Whose side are we on? Colt Cabana. Boom, boom. <laughs> what's 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 the problem? Why'd they have to say what's three times? I th- I think it's a uh, countersuit because Cabana tried suing Punk after they finished their WWE lawsuit because Punk had made the claim that he was gonna, you know, pay for Colt Cabana's uh, legal fees, and then he went back on that and didn't do it, and so Cabana sued him, and then I don't know what happened with that, and I guess now Punk is countersuing him. For like $600,000. That's the hot story that's broken in the last couple hours. It just has, it sucks. It has that nothing that to do with stomping grounds, but it does have something to do with the fact that in the last couple of days I was eating chili cheese dogs and Colt Cabana was getting sued by uh, the best in the world, apparently. 
are you telling me that there's not even a potential for this to be a really hilarious ROH bit? I wish. It'd be some of the best stuff ROH has had since the Elite left. PCO's the judge. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a big powdered wig on. (laughs) Uh, What about Stomping Ground was so weird to you? Because... Again, just because I wasn't watching doesn't mean that I can't open my Twitter feed and not see like every fucking update and every complaint and every compliment every 10 seconds when I refresh my timeline. So all I was getting was people saying, wow, despite our previous, you know, expectations, this show is actually pretty fucking rad. That was what I kept seeing the whole night. And that's not wrong. I watched this show one and a half times. And let <laughs> what the fuck? Let me explain why this was a weird show. So I turned the show on. My buddy Neil came over, and we kind of we were kind of catching up while we were watching it. But when I right. turned it on, it came on at the end of uh, Otis and Jizz versus Daniel Bryan and Rowan. Mm-hmm. And so I caught the finish to that, and it seemed fine. But then it like it went into Bailey and Alexa Bliss, and then Roman, and. We just, I wasn't paying a ton of attention, but the match that I actually turned and was like, all right, let's see what you got. I paid (laughs) no attention to actually some pretty decent shit. And then gave my full attention to Seth versus Baron Corbin, like 100%. Oh, that's lovely because that's the one match I've heard was not that great. Um, I smiled beginning to end. And I even said to my friend, I don't know the last time I smiled this much. Are you a troll? Are you fucking with me? I have no problems with Seth Rollins at this point in the show. (laughs) 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 So much so that it about broke you. (laughs) uh, Yeah, you know, right now and at this point in the story... We're fine. I am more at the like watching this match to be like, okay, you went with this. Like you basically said to me, okay, you don't want Roman in the main event. Here you go. What do you think now? Oh, fuck. And here we go. Let's just see what happens. And then they brought Lacey Evans out and the crowd was so mad, Derek. The crowd seemed so mad. Were they justifiably mad in your opinion? They teased Paul Heyman. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they teased Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar earlier in the show. And then they brought out Lacey Evans, who had a match. She's, what do you think of her? Honestly, this, I wasn't expecting to have this conversation, <laughs> this, this segment. Um, from what I've seen, she is green as fucking baby shit in the ring. Like, she's dangerous. She's not good. Although, I really haven't seen her hurt anybody. It's just, when you see somebody be that clumsy in the ring, it's only a matter of time before they hurt somebody, it seems like. Um, so you don't mean dangerous I, like Nick Gage? No. <laughs> uh, nor do I mean dangerous like, you know, he who shall not be named from last week's episode. I just think, I think her gimmick is fantastic. I know why Vince is in love with her. But god damn, it's just so weird to see them have such a stacked roster, like top to bottom, going from developmental all the way to the top, 
and who you see management and Vince fall in love with. <laughs> and like, I, I don't know. She could be something special, but she's being pushed in there at the wrong fucking time. And if there's one thing we've seen over the last five or six years, it's that somebody with all the talent in the world or all the promise being pushed at the wrong fucking time can kill their entire career. She's missing big shit right now. <laughs> like, yeah. She's just there too early. I definitely see something in her, but she hasn't had enough time to get to that point. Well, did you see the spot in her match with Becky Lynch where fucking she missed her spot? Like Becky called for the back elbow and was supposed to like bounce up to the second rope and kick her. And Lacey was like eight feet away. And Becky had to bounce up to the second rope again and then kick her. And then when Becky came down, she just kind of stared off and shook her head. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck? And she I understand had... that <laughs> Becky got her Undertaker Goldberg moment. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you do know like that part of like when they make you a top person in WWE, if part of their expectation is, is if you really are truly a top guy, and you're really as good as you say you are, part of your job is to carry people who are greener than you, right? Well, and that brings me back to Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. And what round is this, since you've been paying so closely attention to WWE the last few weeks? You mean how many times have these two fought each other? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? You can't count things that are endless. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... I was starting to think about, did AJ Styles ever have, like, a good match with Baron Corbin? I don't remember anything memorable. Because I'm, what's your favorite Baron Corbin match? (laughs) I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to steal the fucking gimmick from Bruce Bruce Pritchard's podcast with Conrad, but what's your favorite Baron Corbin match? Off the um, top of your head. I can name one off the top of my head. And it's not even his match. It was just like his moment. And that was at Mania 32. Because that show was like such a stinker. <laughs> and like he ended up winning the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. But the other opponents were like Shaq. <laughs> so, but you don't. You can't think of a Baron Corbin like wrestling match that you thought was the shit. No, I mean, from the beginning when he was doing, like, the 10-second squash matches up till now, it's been... I'm not, I don't... What are they doing, how, I mean, man? How, how, do you, how do you feel about Baron Corbin? Because this seems to be, a, like, a hot-button issue on Twitter. It's how much people hate Baron Corbin, and does he have heat, or does he have go-away heat? Does he have the wrong kind of heat? And WWE doesn't give a shit or doesn't know the difference, and they're just throwing him out there because they're like, cool, reactions. Like, what what does Garrett feel about Baron Corbin? I couldn't understand what they were trying to do by making that main event as long as it was. Well, here's my question, because again, I'm not going to shit all over it to the extent that I would like to because I didn't watch it. I just got the updates via social media. As soon as they made Lacey Evans the special guest referee... Everyone knows Becky Lynch is getting involved, right? Yeah, and I think the problem is it just took so fucking long for it to happen. Right. Right, which is just indicative of, of, you know, so many of the other issues, which is that 
It's insulting to people's intelligence. They know how this shit works. As soon as the fuckery started, there was no reason to not, for Becky logically to not just be out there to begin with. So why were you smiling ear to ear during this fucking match? Because it was so boring and shitty. <laughs> like it. What is wrong with you? I don't want it to be boring and shitty, but like if I go see a, a shitty movie that makes me laugh and I still enjoyed it, it did its job. This did ma- you watch the first half of the show? I went all? back and rewatched it. That's why I've seen the show one and a half times. I saw the all second right. half of the show and then rewatched all of it again. Uh, that first half was so good that it made that less funny. But <laughs> like you look at the first half of the show and you're like, God damn, they had some, they had a p- potentially awesome fucking show top to bottom that they, you know, dropped the ball on, which, you know, that happens. Otis and Jizz had a pretty fun match with Daniel Bryan. Yeah. You had, you had messaged me earlier. The idea of Daniel Bryan kicking this guy in the chest and it just like supercharging him like Sonic the Hedgehog or some shit. He's just like making his, he's doing the jizz dance. You know, he's, he's yeah. really like pumping those arms. He's honking that truck horn. He's doing Stakes whatever and weights, baby. He is stakes and weights. Oh, and man, even, uh, it sucks because his name is Otis and it was making me so confused when they were talking on commentary because you are so used to us calling them Otis and jizz. I was like, you guys are getting this wrong. Otis and jizz are over. Just go with it. Snap back to reality, Garrett. <laughs> But yeah, they, that was fun. And then Tucker, he's doing some high flying shit that I, maybe he was already doing, but I just wasn't paying attention, but it seems like he's trying to do something, you know, cause right now he's kind of stuck like the other street prophet. The thing is, I don't think that they're not a talent. I don't think they're a, a bad tag team. I, I think they can be pretty good. I, I think this thing with Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan is entertaining, I don't know, man. I think, first of all, let me ask. Do you think that Brock Lesnar looked at the calendar and saw the name of the pay-per-view on that Sunday marked in as stomping grounds and said, oh, well, that's definitely not one I'm going to be at. (laughs) I would have said that about Great Balls of Fire. (laughs) (laughs) I need to bring that one back. Uh, So what what, what is your takeaway? I mean, mean, if we're going to wrap up talking about this, this show why why is this why is this an important show to bring up in the scheme of things is is it something to bring up because of the thing that we're getting ready to talk about yes and it's seth rollins went out there and put on a real like kind of just a boring match is it his fault right. no there were three people in that ring <laughs> and uh it just wasn't great but then he went on twitter and Derek, I, I would rather you just read it. So this all started with um, Seth Rollins tweeting out just a few days ago. He tweeted out best pro wrestling on the planet, period. And this was to hype up the stomping grounds pay-per-view. And then after the cruiserweight title match, he tweeted out doubling down best pro wrestling on the planet. See that cruiserweight triple threat. And that's just one night, one match amongst the many. Find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do it, as often as I do it. You can't. Hashtag WWE stomping grounds. Hashtag universal champion at WWE. Cage side seats. 
in response to the way the uh, pay-per-view ended in Seth Rollins' main event, Cage Side Seats tweets out, Remember when Seth Rollins said that WWE had the best pro wrestling in the world? And then they put a picture of Donald Duck laughing, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, he quote tweets them and he says, Sure do, dorks. And after that pay-per-view, I stand by it even more. The crew brought it tonight from top to bottom, all out effort from every person in the ring and out. And you're still talking slash writing about it. Well, Will Ospreay, you know, (laughs) Will Ospreay took exception, I guess, or just wanted to comment on the idea that Seth Rollins had said, find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do it as often as I do it. You can't. And Will Ospreay quote tweeted him and said, I'm alive. Of course, that's, Seth Rollins that's fires pretty, back. Well, that's or, pretty do, hard. Do you want me to do, take a moment to yeah, let's digest talk. that? Let's talk for a second. Sure. I At this point, Osprey's comment, pretty harmless. But let's go back to the dorks part, because there he was talking to us. And <laughs> Well, he was talking to cage side seats, who I sometimes do have issues with. But it, it, you're right. It was directed at the... At the uh, we I don't, have we ever used the term IWC on here? <laughs> no and no and do not ever use it again. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm just kidding. You can do what you want. You're a free man. He, he you're right. He was t- it was basically a shot at the, the people who critique pro wrestling and WWE, the people who write about it on the internet, who tweet about it, and people who do podcasts like us. I want to go ahead and say, like you know, I don't claim to be an expert on any of this. I just watch a shit ton of it. Like, a lot of right. it. I've right. seen a lot of wrestling at this point. I've traveled to a lot of wrestling. I've you just spent in, a lot of money. I've just ingested a lot in of... in lines. Yeah. I've been there. I've been in the shit. You're, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a professional fan, Garrett. And I feel like I can... And you like a variety, too. That's the other thing. Don't discredit yourself. I mean, like... You're open-minded about every aspect of this business from the most hard-hitting New Japan match to a death match to a Joey Ryan comedy match to Priscilla Kelly jamming tampons down people's throats. You're open-minded about all of this, right? Yeah. Thank you for putting me over there. It was, I, felt uh, nice. I, uh, that's, my, I, that's my job. That, it, that oh, I didn't... <laughs> I'm I'm blushing. Uh, good. But no, like I feel like I've watched enough of it to be able to say like no nah, i thought that one kind of sucked <laughs> like, yeah you know and be like no nah, i've seen a lot of really good wrestling and that was kind of shitty i mean not everybody on the card put on a shitty match it was mostly like good to like fine matches on right. that card and then their match which was just like they lost the crowd no one gave a shit it's not seth rollins fault but like come on man <laughs> don't like you clearly are asking for shit by bringing this right. up and bragging about that. Right. You see, I, we have to dive into the rest of this because I have so many thoughts on this whole thing. Because I feel like you, the, one of the reasons you and I are a pretty good tandem at this, I think, is that I think a lot of people would label me primarily as a WWE fanboy. And I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but that is primarily what I have watched over the last decade plus, so sure, whatever. Well, Will Ospreay says, I'm alive, in reference to, you know, Seth Rollins saying he does it better than anyone alive on the planet, whatever. 
Seth Rollins responds with, uh, I'm sorry, little guy. We already have a better version of you here, and he just won his first U.S. title tonight. This is in reference to King Ricochet. And he says, keep working hard, though, buddy. And then some guy says, Seth, I love you, but seriously, dude, dial it down a notch. And he says, nah, dog, let me dial it up. <laughs> I sat back and watched idiots with no clue talk poorly about the place I dedicate my life to every hour of every day. The level I perform at on constant is untouchable. Time to let them know. You know what I hear? What's that? I hear a man who's on the verge of going full Charlie Sheen on us. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's he's getting ready to drink that tiger's blood, baby. So we have a lot to break down here, and I, I I'm gonna have a lot of fun with you doing it here. So let me feel free to cut me off at any time. Let's just go back and forth on this. You and I have been doing this podcast for a while. We've talked all about the things that we love about pro wrestling, the things that we hate about the state of pro wrestling. Seth Rollins is in the unfortunate predicament right now of being essentially as universal champion, he's the face of the company, correct? <laughs> yeah. Part of his job, rightfully so, is to put over the company he works for, how fucking awesome it is, how relevant it is, how much money the company brings in, their successes, whatever. Everyone gets it. The problem here is that also on his watch, there's no getting around this, on Seth Rollins' watch, on the watch of the AJ Styles's, on the watch of the whatever, go down the list, the Brock Lesnar's, the Roman Reigns, the Kevin Owens, the Finn Balor's, all those guys who are all very fucking talented and who most of us who would criticize WWE would say there's nothing wrong with those guys per se. On their watch, they have allowed another rival pro wrestling promotion to rise. And it is looming. And I'm sure that every time Seth Rollins logs onto Twitter, he sees a bunch of people like us <laughs> <laughs> in his mentions telling him that the show he was just on was the shits, that his match was the shits. And he's sick of hearing about AEW. And I get it. And I also get that people like you and me and people who write blogs and people who have podcasts, most of us, if not, you know, God damn, 99% of us have never worked a match, don't understand the intricacies of working a match, of being a professional wrestler. However, I have used this comparison before. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I have never studied how to brew a beer, brewed a beer, just because I don't know the intricacies of the process of brewing beer, does not mean that when you put a shit beer to my fucking lips and make me drink it and I spit it out and tell you that it's shit, you can't look at me and say, nah, dog, you can't say that. You've never brewed a beer before. Fuck off. Somebody right now to you is saying, I think last week you said you were drinking Miller High Life. Yeah. The official beer of Jackass. I didn't know that. Oh, for the record, I like, I like a lot of shitty beers, so... Whatever. No, I don't have a problem with Miller High Life. I was just letting you know that somebody in the internet land was yelling that it's at, probably at judging. the universe. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. No, yeah. I get it. But the larger point here is I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the notion that just because I don't know how to work a pro wrestling match personally doesn't mean I don't know when I'm watching fucking garbage. <laughs> 
and I and I, I don't care how many years he's been doing it. And I understand that Seth's got a job to protect his, you know, to speak well of his company. That's part of his fucking job. However, you're hanging yourself out to dry a little bit when you're making the most noise and defending your company on social media and then going out there and putting on the worst match of the show. Now, again, like you said, that's not all on him and it's mostly not on him. But the if there's one thing that the Moxley interview with Jericho completely drove home, the point that it drove home was the fact that the their creative process fucking sucks. Three hour raws suck. The amount of content sucks. The people they give opportunities to is not proportionate or proportional, whatever. So it's it's weird to see a guy get this fucking defensive. And and I think I said this to you because you asked me if the if the Seth Rollins stuff on Twitter was a work. It's hard for me to imagine him riding up and down the road with Ambrose or Moxley or whatever you want to call him in this scenario. And hearing all of his complaints and knowing that Moxley went to creative and went to Vince and registered his complaints and fucking left. Like he he worked out the rest of his contract. He fulfilled all of his obligations. He knows what the problems are, but is the idea that like as fans, we're supposed to be loyal and just have shit shoveled down our throats and just take it and say nothing. How, what do you think about all of this fucking nonsense? And where do you rank the Osprey Rollins Twitter feud right now? Like, is, is it worth getting worked up over? Or or do you think we're being worked? I, (laughs) I agree that, you know, the top guy is going to have to go online and talk about how good the company is. And the last few top guys, people didn't love so much. So, you know, when Roman Reigns is out there talking about how good the company is, it's already like, boo, fuck him. And so we were already booing that. Like, we were just getting a two for one there. I feel like this is the first time we've had to boo a guy we really like with it. For saying that, yeah, because Brock Lesnar wasn't out there preaching how good it was. Well, and never mind the fact that, and and Brock Lesnar was the guy that everybody was uni- like universally bitching about and wishing would go away, and Seth was the guy to essentially get rid of him for us, <laughs> at least at least in storyline. Well, that's why I and, know you know he, how much of what he's saying does he truly believe, and how much of it is just like. Him going on there and being like, "Well, I'm the top guy. I got to defend the company." Right, but but I, like I said, I don't I hate like, him for that. Yeah, no, I don't. But I have chosen sides. <laughs> <laughs> can I ask? Can I ask something that needs to be put out there? Yeah, because I feel like this is the dynamic that we need to address. Do you think that fans of or people who would consider themselves fans of stuff that's primarily outside of WWE. Do you think they ever come across as pretentious? I think they can be viewed as pretentious because they like a, I feel like you could say that about any fan base though, that digs deeper into, you know, the not mainstream version of something. Well, for sure. Uh, but do you, do you think, <sighs> Do you think that somebody who who like looks at WWE and offers criticism and then holds up like a New Japan pay-per-view and says they need to be more like this, do you think that's actually the problem? Or do you think that WWE is actually just being bad at doing WWE things? I think that's a really good way to put it because I don't want to see WWE doing New Japan. 
I like watching. I like going there. I like, we talk about this all the time. And you talked about this when we were discussing, you know, the different types of wrestling I watch. It's just, once again, different flavors. New Japan's its own thing. WWE's its own thing. It is the Marvel movies version of pro wrestling. I understand when I'm going to it that I'm not going to see the same level of in-ring performance that I am at New Japan because they have a lot more limitations in WWE. They don't want them to kill themselves in the ring in front of that many people. Well, especially if they're doing it, what, four or five days a week? Yeah, exactly. And so I go to WWE to be entertained by wrestlers that I've previously enjoyed elsewhere. And hopefully, occasionally get a story that pulls me in. But the problem is the place that I'm going to for the stories has kind of shitty stories and, like, pretty regular wrestling. Like, occasionally some really good matches sprinkled in there. I don't want to downplay that, but do you know what I mean? Like, it's a different... It's a family-friendly, like, acrobat show. I didn't really, it's hard to put into words exactly, but I think that is the best way I can put it, which is that I think people know what WWE is historically good at. They're really good at storytelling when they're on. In fact, I I would argue nobody even comes close. When they put together a really good long story arc that pays off, nobody comes close. I would say if you grab a New Japan pay-per-view out of the blue, and you watch that show, you're watching that 110% because you're about to watch people beat the shit out of each other and you're going to see some great matches. And that's one brand of pro wrestling. And people seem to be really into that right now. I think people look at NXT and they say, why the fuck can't we have that on the main roster? Why? Like, who's afraid of that? Like, who's afraid of okaying that for, for USA Network and Fox? that brand of wrestling because everyone raves about it and WWE, especially like, again, I, I think we're, you and I, every time we talk about what we grew up liking about WWE attitude era is not coming back and that's fine. Nobody's really, at least on this podcast, nobody's pining for the attitude era. But the one thing they did do is they had you tuning in every week, not wanting to miss a second. And every level of the roster, like every level of the card, had stuff going on that was entertaining and meant something. And WWE isn't even doing the things that they're supposed to be really good at. They're not doing those things well. And I don't understand. And that's and here's the fucked up thing. You go out of your way to say, I watch these awesome guys and these other promotions like the Indies or PWG or ROH or whatever, and then they make it to WWE. Those guys presumably still have the same talent level and the same skill set that they just had months and years prior. It gets dulled or watered down for WWE. It's like I, it's like if you went to a go-kart track and you knew that they turned it down a little bit so you can't go as fast as you want on that go-kart. Yeah. But but the fact that they still churn out some awesome matches from time to time it still makes it worthwhile. And I and I watched a a thing with um one of those inside the ropes things that they have on uh YouTube. Um and Jericho was saying that as I mean, fucking, I I pay attention when Jericho talks because I like he, he's at the point now where I really do consider him to be like the ultimate, um, what would you call it? Voice, the like like 
his words matter when he speaks. And he said he would, ha- he would rather have a great story that leads to an okay match than an okay story that leads to a fantastic match. And that's his personal philosophy on it. And it's one that I tend to agree on. WWE is, like I said, they have allowed another promotion to rise up. And I think if you're Seth Rollins or if you're Becky Lynch or if you're Kofi Kingston, if you're any one of those people, it's not your fault. But on your watch, you're watching AEW rise up and it's weird to see the pushback from Seth Rollins because he has to know. And I think we in our hearts feel like he knows what's wrong, right? So it's not it's not an attack on the workers. The roster's fucking amazing. It's maybe the best roster they've ever had as far as entering talent. They don't utilize it properly. And having him go on there, it makes the Seth Rollins character look like an idiot to me. <laughs> A little bit. You know what I mean? Does, is he trying to be like Becky? You, the oh. way Becky was just casting shade at everyone on social media and didn't give a fuck if it was popular or not. She stole his phone. That would be funny if it was. <laughs> <laughs> he has but to go out there and be like, I'm sorry, Becky stole my phone and got in a fight with Will Ospreay and Wade Geller. <laughs> so, so, do you think that Seth Rollins, the performer, is a top 10 wrestler in the world on your list. This is yes, maybe this is where once again, like what you were talking about where I know what he's capable of. Right. And he's got like that WWE, like restrictor plate, like where it's stopping him from going as hard as I know he can. And I'm not saying he has to do that every time. Right. But it's kind of like how I was done with Dean. And then Dean goes and is Moxley again. And he immediately just got like a spark back in him where something was just a a little more exciting. Do you think that there's a part of Seth that's a little bit jealous to see one of his shield mates go out and basically become the hottest act in pro wrestling just by leaving? I don't get that vibe. Well, (laughs) it's funny you should say that. Oh, no. (laughs) Because Seth Rollins also made some comments about his buddy John Moxley leaving. (laughs) You're like, well, let me tell you why you're wrong. And I've got... All right. Seth Rollins, he actually did an interview with Sports Illustrated Media. um, And he said, Ambrose can do what he wants. He's a big boy. He's got his big boy pants on. He can go out there and say whatever he wants. But the bottom line is not everybody's equipped to handle the rigors of WWE and the schedule and how it affects you mentally and emotionally. And Ambrose gave everything he had to the company for the entire time he was here. He put his heart and soul into the travel, into the schedule, into the injuries, into the work in the ring and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, he took his ball and he went home or he went elsewhere at least. And I think it's a little presumptuous of him to get on a podcast and talk down about the company that gave him such an opportunity. I don't know. He went on, he also went on to say, I don't think there's any reason to hop on a soapbox and complain after the fact you need to take the first step. And that's looking in the mirror and asking yourself, did you do every single thing you possibly could to make yourself in your situation, what you want it to be? If the answer is yes, you did, then you can go elsewhere and complain. And if you feel good about it, if that's where he's at mentally, then go right ahead. 
But if he hasn't done that and looked in the mirror and made that decision, maybe he should look and think about that. And that goes for any other disgruntled talent, past or present. Wow. Um, so are we getting worked or is there, are those genuine comments? Because again, like I said, he was riding up and down the road with, with Ambrose. It's hard to imagine that they didn't talk about this shit. Yeah. <laughs> like with, with this, it, I guess I look at Ambrose as like, have you, we've all quit a job at some point and been like, Oh, I'm going on Twitter and I am yelling. I'm going to yeah. yell about my job or I'm going to get on Facebook and have a long rant about why this place sucks. He did that. We've all done that. Down well, he road, went as far as, as saying like that he, he was fantasizing in the months b- before his contract was up. He knew exactly like what he wanted to say when he got free. Like what he wanted fan- to say on, <laughs> like he was looking forward to doing the podcast. We all fantasize about like, we've all had that moment where we're like, Oh, I know what I'm saying to my boss. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've got the whole story. All my grievances are right here and they're getting them. He gave that to us. And you know, years from now, he could actually just say like, you know what? It wasn't as bad, but like I was getting insane there towards the end and it just was driving me crazy. But he's not the first person to leave there talking about how shitty the creative is there or how difficult it is to deal with Vince. Oh, I mean, I watched that show. (laughs) I've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Is Seth just in the like, I, I mean, again, like I said, he opens his mentions on social media and sees people talking about how much the company he works for sucks. He also has to know that he's in a unique position because for the first time since like 2001, 2002, there's another series. This is the funny thing during that whole time period between then and now TNA existed. But nobody fucking considered it major competition. AEW doesn't even have a weekly show yet. They've just done like a couple pay-per-views. And they're already considered major competition. Enough to where Seth Rollins is fucking blowing up on social media because he's fed up with hearing about how excited people are for this other wrestling promotion. Well, and you saw what happened with uh, Fight for the Fallen, right? Yeah, I, I wanted to get into that because WWE is going to be streaming an Evolve show the same night. Or the same time, I guess. Are they streaming that on the network? Yeah. Okay. And it I, seemed <laughs> like some people took offense to that on the AEW side of things. Kenny Omega did not seem happy that they were putting a, a smaller independent show on the same time as... as uh, What was it? Fight for the Fallen? Yeah, fight for the, the fall. Yeah, that's for the Jacksonville show, right? That's where the proceeds are going, or some of yeah. the proceeds are going to gun violence. Yeah, is that fair play, or do you think that's dirty? What did it, Kenny, I think? I think I have Kenny's tweet right here. Yeah, Ken, Kenny's first reaction seemed to be that he thought that that was bullshit, and I and I kind of thought about it for a little while. Went back and forth. I mean. Th- rightfully so nobody on the AEW Tony Khan the elite side of things has really been holding back and and taking shots at WWE and they've been they've been here's the funny thing they they take every opportunity they can to say no we're not competition you know we're we're an alternative and then you know they break down Triple H's throne and then Jericho goes on social media and runs down the fact that they're giving Goldberg matches at Saudi Arabia 
and he's making fun of stomping grounds and so like they can say whatever they want but they're treating it like they they like they have <laughs> the authority to talk shit on WWE so is it hypocritical for Kenny to be offended that they would I don't know book a show or stream a show opposite of theirs I mean he's approaching it from the isn't it kind of shitty to do this that's a thing for charity kind of thing but which yeah it is, but at the same time, I guess it's still business. And the thing is, I can still watch both. If anything, think, this is going to be another test. How many well, streams are they going to get? You know, I think the thing not to forget in all this when we're talking about shitty business and all that stuff is that one of the things that Rollins bragged about in his exchanges with Will Ospreay on Twitter, which you haven't, if you haven't, go online and check that out because it's totally worth your time he brought up how much more money he makes than Will Ospreay talking about checking his bank account and everything. A lot of people immediately went to, yeah, it's filled with a lot of money from, you know, Saudi Arabia, blood money. Ooh. Is that, is that, is that a, is that a fair criticism? Did he have a choice to not go to that? Absolutely. Fucking like fucking Kevin and Sammy refused to go. Uh, I don't think Sammy was allowed. Well, Sammy wasn't allowed, but Kevin said he wasn't going. Uh, Cena didn't go. Brian didn't go. Alistair Black didn't go. There were a lot of people who either were chosen not to go or said, I'm not going. There's a lot of people who were uncomfortable with it. So, you know, they flew uh, Alexa Bliss and Natalia over there to potentially have a max match, and then that got nixed and definitely didn't happen. Um, once again, we're in the muck of this, and and the fact is, if Seth Rollins is going to go on Twitter and I don't know, shoot and be a hot shot and be the face of his company, doesn't he also have to kind of own what they're doing? Like, here's the thing: they're just going to continue to spin it as we're going over there to change the culture and we're performing for the people of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but you're not doing it for free, and you're doing it because the, <laughs> the fucking government is paying you a fuckload of money to do it. Because Rollins really hasn't responded to everyone yelling at him about his fucking Saudi Arabia paycheck. Do you think Osprey handled all of this well? <laughs> I think Osprey was great. I, I, and like I said to you, I think he's somebody that the more of his stuff I watch, the more he just wins me over. I think he's fantastic. And I think Jericho jumped into the middle of their Twitter exchange and pointed out to Seth Rollins, he's actually bigger and taller than you. So he's not a little guy. So what the fuck? Um, can, I ask, can I ask a controversial question that I don't want to get misinterpreted? Oh, this is going to be fun in editing. Yeah. Um, well, I, again, I don't want people to read into it the wrong way. I just want to, for the sake of discussion, I want to get your thoughts on this. You were happy with WrestleMania, right? Yeah. Like, you thought that it was the best Mania they've had in years? I believe I said that. Was it not the first uh, pay-per-view to have women in the main event of the show? It was. Did they crown their first black WWE champion? Yes. Why is everyone running away from the product right now? Because their stories are bad. Yeah, that's the fucking answer. We liked it when those stories were good. It's the problem is you got to keep them going. And 
honestly, we just got this weird time where Vince McMahon finally decided to show us that he loves his son by putting him in the main event all the time. (laughs) And it's really nice for Shane, but it's hurting all of us and really helping AEW right now. Yeah, but I want to go back to what I, the point I was trying to make. I, I'm not trying to put the blame on Kofi or Seth or Becky. What I'm saying is it it speaks to how bad they're doing right now that they finally got around to doing all this awesome stuff that they should have done a long fucking time ago, and it drummed up a lot of goodwill for them despite all the Saudi Arabia shit, despite everything else, and the fact that they have not really been able to take that momentum and roll with it. Like what, where would they be if it was just another poo poo WrestleMania like last year? It's weird. They finally do kind of listen and go with what the crowd wants. But the problem is you, you got to still give them something every once in a while. You can't just do it once and think we're going to keep sticking around for the next year until you maybe do it again. Right. Quit treating me like an asshole. I've got other stuff to watch. We haven't talked nearly enough about how much this wild card wild card rule completely undermined everything. Everything. The entire bottom half of their roster not going to get utilized. They made such a big thing about Roman Reigns getting drafted to SmackDown and it was kind of exciting to see what they're going to do and then they completely went back on that. I know this is just a internet rumor. You probably haven't heard this yet, Garrett. Um Supposedly, today, Fox is meeting with Vince, Stephanie, and Triple H to air grievances with them over the numbers <laughs> from the last week. <laughs> do you Thoughts watch, on that? Do you watch Seinfeld? I don't. Uh, there's a, a holiday called Festivus, and one of yes. the things you do in Festivus is have the airing the of grievances. airing of the grievances. And I'm just, <laughs> I've heard at least that, yes. And I'm just picturing those three around the table while the head of Fox is just like, all right, I got some problems with you people, and you're about to hear them. <laughs> There's quite a bit to say there. And they just point over, and they're like, number one, who's this guy? And they're like, that's Kenny Omega. Like, why isn't he on my TV? We couldn't get him. Why? Why not? We made all his friends mad. <laughs> <laughs> it would be fucking... I mean, how big of a PR disaster would it be if for some reason Fox opted out of their deal? I would love to see the spin on why it's a good thing. that they. Yeah, I, like, me too. We, we decided not to go with Fox. They weren't the right partners for us. It's not, it's not you, or it's not us, it's you. Right, yeah. Well, what are your kind of closing thoughts on this whole Seth Rollins-Will Ospreay thing and, and how it ties into, you know, Moxley being justified in why he left and is... Is this, I guess I'll ask you the question you asked me, is it a shoot or is it, is it a work? Does he really feel this way or is he just doing his job? I think he's just doing his job, but also coming off insane. And part of the reason I rewatched his, that match again was because of this Twitter rant. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss something because I felt like I paid a lot of attention. <laughs> and so I went back and rewatched it and I wasn't laughing the second time. Yeah. It, it made me kind of sad because I do like him. And then he seems crazy on the internet. It just seems like a guy's like, yeah, what I did's fucking great. And it's like, no, come on, man. 
I Come think on. the lesson he needs to learn from all of this is that he's fantastic, but the problem is the more he sits there and builds everything up in his mind, his boss and that writing team, they're not going to do him any favors along the way. He can hype it up and he can stand on his soapbox and talk about how great it is and how much the company makes and how well they're doing and the fact that they're the most recognizable pro wrestling brand in the world. That's all true. But if you're going to hype up how great you are and that you're the man and you're the face of the company, that writing team has not been doing anyone favors for a long time. And you're going to find out really quick. And again, I keep saying writing team. Everyone kind of unanimously believes that it's just Vince undercutting everything. I, don't know. I, I just can't tell right now if you're giving Seth Rollins a pep talk or an intervention. <laughs> I don't know. He's stuck in he's stuck in a difficult position because his job is to hype up how awesome that company is, and he's not wrong in saying that they're the number one whatever in the world. I don't know if they have the best pro wrestling. That's pretty subjective, I guess, on its own. But there's not a feeling that people watch WWE for the amazing fucking matches. They go there for an overall brand of entertainment, a little pro wrestling, some segments, some comedy, some drama, whatever. The last pep talk we gave on this show was to Joey Janela, and he's fighting John Moxley on Saturday. <laughs> I think he's. We're going to turn Seth Rollins around right now. Don't worry, buddy. You'll get there one day. <laughs> <laughs> Did all this interaction in- inspire you to to dig into who actually? Because I asked you, you said you think Seth Rollins is probably a top ten wrestler in the world. Is Will Osprey? In the top 10 wrestler in the world category for you? I could easily see him being the top guy at any company. He's just so good. And it made me really happy last week for you to say that he's really growing on you and becoming one of the guys that you you want to watch more of. And I started thinking back, like, what are some of the... Because I saw that guy wrestle a lot of times in Reseda. And so I went back and actually put on a couple matches just to rewatch him just because you got me excited about Will Ospreay and then all this happened. So I've just been like riding this Osprey high. A lot of Oz cutters. A lot of Oz cutters. Uh, the first one I watched, I actually put on Bola 2016. This was night one. It was Phoenix versus Will Ospreay. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is what's funny. I was definitely in the room for this match. I saw myself in the corner wearing a Diarrhea Planet tank top. Uh, Very hot. Very sexy. You? Yeah. Okay. Well, well and them. yourself over. Yeah, but yeah. Well, hey, I mean, you did it earlier. I kind of felt like I just felt like I needed some more. All I, right, Seth. I need a little Seth in my life. Come on, man. <laughs> but Go on. I'm this sure is what, Phoenix and... Osprey tore it down. Yeah, this is one of those matches that it's hard to remember all of them that you see when you go to Ebola just because it's just crazy shit after crazy shit. But this is one where there were moves I've never seen before. Uh, Ray Phoenix goes for a Hurricane Rana. Osprey somehow reverses it into a powerbomb. And then on the way down in the powerbomb, Phoenix reverses that into something else. There was just a series where I felt it was just people falling. Just people falling and reversing, and it felt like I watched seven moves before they hit the ground. 
And then at one point they both get on the top rope and they do a top rope Spanish fly and they both land on their feet. Well, and that's... the yeah, the entire crowd shit their pants in unison. And I think Chuck Taylor and uh, Excalibur had a baby on commentary. <laughs> and he has, Osprey has this real, like, I think what's so cool about that guy is he looks, he looks and moves like a video game character. Correct. Like, Ricochet's awesome. But Osprey well, is according like, to Seth, Rico Ricochet is the better version of Will Osprey. Which is funny because the next match I watched was from the next night which was the last match before the finals, Osprey versus Ricochet. Do tell. Those two really put on the match that kind of started bringing New Japan back, like, into the mainstream again. Don't you remember their match that made ESPN? Yeah. So, but that was just, like, that was, what, was that two and a half years ago? No, that would have been longer, man. I mean, I don't think that match, that match may have already happened. When I had been to this bola, huh? And that was 2016, like that so it was it would have been a long time ago. Wow! And it's just looking at the card for this bola was insane. I started kind of flipping through just to see what matches I watched on night one and what wrestlers were there in 2016 that are now kind of you know the face of pro wrestling. Right. Uh, Pentagon, Marty Skrull, Jeff Cobb, Ricochet. John Hennigan, Johnny Impact, Mundo, whatever. Matt Seidel, Phoenix Osprey, Tommy End, Zack Sabre Jr., Chris Hero, Jushin Thunder Liger. The okay, then the main event that night, Dalton Castle and the Boys. The Boys that night being played by Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. Holy shit. Like, the who's who of pro wrestling right now. And that was night on one. This one show, yeah. Like night two was Cody Rhodes, one of two matches at PWG. You know, there was just there's some crazy shit. It's crazy how three years ago they basically all the other wrestling companies basically just grabbed those guys and they're now all the faces. Right. What is your overall view of Osprey then in the big picture here? Like is. I know, like, I guess, like you said earlier, you said he's, like, pick a promotion. If he's there, he's the number one guy. It's insane how good he is, especially even going back and watching three years ago and realizing that that New Japan match that was insane may have been even longer ago. <laughs> you know, it's, these guys have been this good for a long time. It's crazy that it took it this long for them to finally get there, where their style is now the thing. Has Osprey been a world champion anywhere? Uh, progress, right? Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I no, I assume progress. Maybe. Probably. I don't know. Do you like? What do you see the future holding for this guy? Well, like, I mean, he's the junior future? heavyweight championship in New Japan right now, right? Do you think that bothers Rollins that that title matters more than the universal title around his waist? I in his head does it. I mean, the universal title hasn't meant anything yet. It hasn't had that, like, ultimate reign yet where we were like, this is the, <laughs> this is the time. This is the belt I want. First off, fucker, it did, and it got ended by Bill Goldberg. Is that really a good reign? I mean, it came to an end the way, like, there was no way he was going to win that match anyway. Never had a chance. 
What do you mean? I'm just the saying. The match shouldn't have happened. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like if I you can't before, beat the best, do you deserve to even have it? Oh, God. If you can't beat Bill Goldberg, you don't deserve the me. belt. I'm not working you. Twitter. <laughs> just want to let you know that uh, WWE's decision, if they're, if they're just now... First of all, I do want to go on record and say that Samoa Joe and Ricochet had a killer match at Stomping Grounds. I thought that Owens and Zayn against the New Day was a great fucking tag match. Oh, um, we there- can't get out of here without talking about the end of that Kofi match. The funniest title retention I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, him fucking diving through the ropes? Did you get to see that with sound? Yeah. God. The fucking he, thud? He, that's, he just splats on the ground, and when he <laughs> rolls over, it looks like the wind has been knocked out of him, but it's like, <gasps> I'm the world champion. <laughs> Everyone kind of raved about how the end of that match went there. Like, I hadn't seen that before. But is that the way that, like, uh, I guess you win the title how you win the title. But it's just funny to see the world title, like, won by a belly flop. (laughs) Somebody brought up a good point the other day. Do you think, at least in WWE, do you think cage matches don't mean anything anymore? Uh, They don't. I mean... (laughs) They spend I mean, like, if, in a company where they don't allow you to bleed and there aren't really enough factions to warrant keeping people away from the ring to interfere. Well, plus the cage has a door and if there is a they faction, just they it. just open it. Right. <laughs> well, the, well, fuck the faction. The referee opens it. I think that's one of the stupidest things in WWE. Escape the cage or you could just, you know, go in the way, go out the way you came in. Like, if you just knock the wind out of a guy real good one time, you could, you're done. You're out of there. Just run, right. And honestly, it's there should be a absurd. 24-7 title match in a steel cage, and that's how it should end in the first three seconds. It just takes, <laughs> <laughs> it'll take so long to set the cage up and get it back, and then just Drake Mav or not. Like, they, they load that up with, like, 15 people. It's like a 15-man cage match. First person to escape, the person closest to the door just leaves. And I do want to say, 24-7 title has won me over. You're totally... I guess R-Truth is an eight-time champion now? Yeah, eight or nine. (laughs) And then... So much for titles mattering. (laughs) Poor fucking EC3, though, man. Like, that guy (laughs) is just... Anytime that you think, like, I don't know if I want to see my favorite guy go to WWE... He is like the example right now. It's just like, I don't want to see my favorite guy get EC3'd. Yeah. He, that could easily be MJF right now. I think, that, I think that's a perfect example. That's what I would love to one-on-one throw back at Seth Rollins and be like, you know, it's easy for you to sit there all high and mighty and talk about the great job that everyone from the from the performers to the ring crew to the writers, everybody involved in production, they did a great job. This show's the best show in the world. We're the top fucking pro wrestling company ever. And yada, yada, yada. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, could you explain that to all those guys who are sitting there and catering, not getting used, not getting a chance on television to shine? Like, you're so full of shit, dude. <laughs> like, uh, And again... He'll probably look at me and be like, dude, you never worked a match. You're just a fat podcaster. Shut the fuck up. And I'd be like, God damn it. Like, like I, I hate fucking that he hours. has that comeback. <laughs> it's, I'm not. I think it's a pathetic fucking comeback. 
as I stated earlier, like I telling me basically I'm being a bad fan because I won't just forcibly swallow their shit that I'm wrong. Essentially saying the way you're interpreting Monday night raw is wrong. You're wrong for not, you know, just sitting there and enjoying all three glorious hours of the television programming for that show. The complete lack of regard for consistency and storylines, the complete lack of regard for the talent. Like basically he's saying you're watching it wrong. No, Seth Rollins is saying, if you don't like it, just don't go on the internet and yell at me about it. Fuck off. And and your response is, <laughs> I've got an airing of grievances for you, motherfucker. Here we are. It's pro wrestling festivus every day of the year, Seth. I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> pro wrestling festivus. Well, thanks for the title of this week's episode. <laughs> you're you're welcome, buddy. <laughs> Can you can you believe we've been able to get over an hour into this podcast? We haven't said anything about iTunes. We haven't said anything about our social media. Have you pretty much given up on the fact that I'm not going to have to get a Koto Ibushi haircut? Uh, we did get two this week, Derek. Oh, did we? We did. We got two. Uh, let me see. Let me look it up real quick. I know one was from somebody named Rachel with maybe a letter and more numbers after it. Okay. And she said, it's worth the listen. Thank you, Rachel. And the What's subject was a numbers? cowboy hat smiley emoji. Well, that's awesome. And Thanks, Rachel, for the review. I guess I'm partway to getting the Abushi haircut. Yeah, and somebody else just smashed the five stars. So I don't know if you specified five, seven reviews or if they could also just smash the stars. No, we need the, we need the review. Well, six more reviews. Rachel, seriously, thank, thank you so much. Uh, I don't know if you're an actual listener or maybe you're uh, somebody's significant other that grabbed the phone and punched it in themselves. Either way, thank you for the review. Rachel, if you would like to request a match, please let us know. Get uh, Hit us up on social media, at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram, at Wrestle Hangout on Facebook and Twitter. We are predeterminedpodcast at gmail.com if you want to... S- Ask me a question. Yeah. I don't care. Send us some. I don't let us know. What do you got? You know for me? what we what we haven't done to this point. We have we've been you know we just experimented with doing a watch along. We have obviously done listener submissions for matches to watch and then talk about on the show. You know this has been a fun episode to just kind of I don't know talk about a controversial subject for like forty five minutes. This was fun. Forty five minutes, dude. It was an hour. Well, I know, but we talked about, you know, stomping grounds a little bit, too. Controversial. It's all part of it, man. Okay. And well, guess what? Point Otis and Jizz is... were not a downer on that. They were, the, <laughs> they were a bright spot in that. I'm just saying, on the social media, at our email, at predeterminedpodcast at gmail.com, if there is a subject, a pro wrestling subject that you would like us to talk about or cover or make an episode about, Feel free to recommend that to us. Give us some suggestions. We'll we'll discuss it, and we'll possibly do that for you. I've got a match I really would like to do a watch-along with you for, and I don't know if the listeners would care about this, but it is something that I think I personally would just have a really good time doing, and if we were going to do it, why not just throw it on, throw it, turn on the microphones and just do it? But yeah. what my favorite match I've ever witnessed live has Will Ospreay in it. 
and I would have a really good time. It's a match from Bola, I want to say. Actually, it was that same year. It was 2016. It was Will Ospreay, Ricochet, and Matt Seidel versus the Young Bucks and Adam Cole in a six-man tag. And there's when you go to these PWG shows, like so much shit happens that you don't walk away like remembering everything you saw. But I remember so much of being in that room for that main event and just especially witnessing the finish. And it's just something you want to relive that with me for our listeners. Yeah, I kind of do. You know what we should probably start doing? Because we obviously want to do more watch alongs. I don't know what kind of feedback we got on people or from people about how our last watch along went. People seem to enjoy it from what I heard. That's good. I think at least once a month depending upon how our schedules work out. I think once a month we should put up like four matches as a poll and see what people would like us to do a watch along for. I'm cool with that. Like, because there's no reason to not crank out one of those a month at least. And I would love to, I want to do matches that I know that our listeners want to hear us do a watch along for talking business, discussing things on the air. Woo. This has been a good Gary, week, do I Derek. Need to put you over a little bit more, more before we get out of here. <laughs> I survived a tornado, Derek. That's what I hear. Yeah, I went to a pizza place. I was eating outside. I was forty-five minutes outside of Nashville, Derek, in Watertown. Watertown. You're still here. You're skies alive. are skies are blue. Eating some pizza. <laughs> they said you need to come in now. There is a tornado warning. Like, what the fuck? We walk inside. Immediately, everything goes black. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, get to the back room. And then an older lady talked to us about how she didn't want to fuck Jon Snow because he's her grandson's age and it makes her feel icky and that the mountain's her man. And while all this is happening, they said, oh, a tornado has touched down. And then we went and watched uh, Toy Story 4 at a drive-in and I lived. You know, I find it less miraculous that you survived a tornado and more miraculous that you had pizza. Right? Isn't and that scary? A little bit. I I was at a drive-in. It was 45 minutes outside of town. I'm in a tornado. There's a lot of places for me to shit my pants. This was that a dangerous seems like the move. the top one. Yeah. Yeah. I, somehow I was fine. Don't know what happened. It was actually pretty good. So, Nona Lisa Pizza in Water <laughs> Watertown, Tennessee. <laughs> I don't have anything to top that. I saw Toy Story 4 as well. Shed shed a tear. I've been crying at movies lately, Garrett. Well, stop it. Grow up. I'm just kidding. I cry at movies all the time. What made you cry, man? Let's talk about our feelings. I'm sure if I'd watched the end of that Stomping Grounds pay-per-view, I would have cried at the end of that, too. Nah, you laugh pretty good at the end of it. You just have a good laugh. Only if you don't see the first half of the show, according to you. Yeah, it's way funnier when you thought that's how the entire show went, and that was just like (laughs) the cherry on top of a shit sandwich, when really it was like they built you a delicious cake. It's a layer cake. The layers are delicious. And then they dropped it. They dropped it right in front of you. And like you still ate some off of the ground, but it was on the bottom part. So, you know, the it's, which is upside down. So you didn't eat any that was actually on the floor, but you still ate floor cake. I'm so appreciative of the level of detail you went into describing WWE Stomping Grounds 2019. Yeah, so, you know, if I had to rate it on the calendar scale of how many burritos between, (laughs) 
between one and five burritos, it was eating a floor cake. So that's where we're going to end that. Uh, Derek, do you have anything to say before we get out of here? <laughs> this is your last chance. If you uh, haven't already, give us the five stars. Give us the, re- the review on iTunes. I still have to get three more at least. Wait, seven? Yeah, you have to yeah, get five, five more. more. <laughs> five more. All right. I feel pretty safe now. Yeah, if you get me five more reviews... I'm going to have to get the Koto Ibushi haircut. I don't think it's going to happen, but hey, guys, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Leave us five stars. Leave us the sweet review. Tell us what you like about the show. We'd appreciate it. We've already plugged our social media. I got nothing else to add, Garrett. This was fun. Thank you for listening. We appreciate each and every single one of you. There's a lot of podcasts out there. For some reason, you've tuned into ours, and we fucking love you for it. Thank you. We'll put up uh, some matches on Twitter. And you can let us know what you want us to do a watch along for. Just so you guys know, at the end of the podcast, Derek and I keep talking on the phone for about a half hour, mostly just about pro wrestling still somehow. Um, Why don't you get to be a part of that? Isn't that insane that you don't get to be a part of a thing that we're still doing? It's not that weird. I mean, when people make a movie, there's all sorts of behind the scenes shit they don't get to see. Maybe one day we'll leave the mic running and, and they'll get the outtakes. They need to just straight up hear our just our personal conversation where we like really talk about each other's lives and really get into what's bothering each other. Because on the air, it's Seth Rollins. In real life, it's car troubles. <laughs> I've got nothing else to add to man. So if you want, just say the thing that we say at the end of the episode that ends it. Burn it down. <laughs> Hit our goddamn music.